Hey everyone, this is Mahi and I'm back with another crazy episode of the Greek Gods. Today we're gonna talk about Demeter. Wow, Demeter. Well, don't get too excited yet. You don't know what has happened to her, what will. Sorry for that sound in the background. <laughs> well, let's get into it. This is episode number three. Demeter turns into a grainzilla. Oh yeah, Demeter. As I said, try not to get too excited because this episode is all about the goddess of wheat, bread, and cereal. Demeter just flat out rocks when it comes to carbohydrates. I'm not being fair to her though. Sure, she's a goddess of agriculture, but she had other things going on for her. Among the three eldest goddesses, Demeter was the middle sister. So she combined Hestia's sweet personality with her younger sister Hera's knockout hotness. Demeter had long blonde hair, the color of ripe wheat. Well, that should explain it. She wore a crown of women woven, oh my god, corn leaves. Not a fashion statement for most people can pull off, but she managed. She liked to adorn herself with poppies, which often grow in fields of grain, or so I'm told. I don't go walking in a lot of grain fields. A dark robe covered her bright green dress, so whenever she moved, it looked like a fresh plant shoots breaking through a fertile earth. She smelled like a rainstorm over a field of jasmine. Since Hestia decided never to get married, Demeter was the first goddess who seriously drew attention of the guy gods. Hera was beautiful too, but her attitude, well, we'll get to her later. Not only was Demeter good-looking, but she was also kind-hearted, mostly. She knew how to bake awesome bread and cookies. She cut a surprisingly warlike figure whenever she went. She rode a golden chariot pulled by twin dragons. How awesome is that? Twin dragons. At her side gleamed a golden sword. In fact, one of her great great Oh my god, Greek names was Demeter and the last name I cannot pronounce. It's like by mistake someone typed that. Oh, again guys, I forgot to tell you one thing before I move on. Uh, the credit also goes to Percy Jackson and the Greek gods because I'm taking help of that book to research about all this. Anyway, let's move on. So one of her names, I'm not going to pronounce that name because I can't pronounce it had the meaning of the lady with the golden blade. Sounds like a good title for a Martian art movie. Isn't that so? According to some legends, her blade was actually the Scythe of Kronos, which she reforged into world's most deadly harvesting tool. Mostly she used it for cutting wheat, but if she got angry enough, she could fight with it. Anyway, the guy gods all liked her. Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades all proposed marriage, but Demeter turned them down flat. She preferred to roam the earth, turning barren plains into fertile fields, encouraging orchards to bear fruits and flowers to bloom. 
One day, Zeusgar presented, I don't know how to pronounce that. He had just divorced Themis and hadn't remarried yet. He was only man. For whatever reason, he fixated to Demeter and decided he absolutely had to get with her. She found her in the field of wheat. Surprise, surprise. Demeter yelled at him to go away, but he just kept following her around. Come on, he said. Just one kiss, maybe another kiss, and then maybe... No, she shouted. You are so annoying. I am the king of the universe, you said. If we got together, you'd be my queen. Not interested. Demeter was tempted to draw her golden sword. But Zeus was the most powerful god and people who opposed him got into a lot of trouble. Cough. Like Prometheus. <clears throat> anyway, also her golden chariot was parked way at the other end of the field. So she couldn't just hop in and flee. Zeus kept pestering her. Our kids would be powerful and amazing. Go away, she shouted. Hey, baby, don't be like that. I know that sounds disgusting, but that's the, you know, translation here. Finally, Demeter got so disgusted that she transformed herself into a serpent. She figured she, figured she could lose Zeus by hiding in the fields and slithering away. Bad idea. Zeus could transform into an animal too. He changed into a snake and followed her. That was easy since snakes have a great sense of smell and like I said earlier, Demeter had a very distinctive rain storm over jasmine scent. Demeter slithered into a hole in the dirt. Okay, another pretty terrible idea. Zeus slithered in after her. The tunnel was narrow so once she blocked the entrance, Demeter couldn't get out. She didn't have room to change form. Zeus trapped her and wouldn't let her go until... Well, use your imagination. Months later, Demeter gave birth to her first child, a daughter named Persephone. She was such a cute, sweet baby that Demeter almost forgave Zeus for tricking her into a reptile hanky-panky. Almost. They didn't get married and Zeus was pretty neglectful dad. But still, the little, ba- little girl became the light of Demeter's life. Most about Persephone is different. Well, we get to Persephone later in a sec. Like I say, that was the only time Demeter got into a bad situation with a man. Unfortunately, it wasn't. If you were thinking, uh, once it's done, maybe it'll not happen again, you're wrong. It did happen again. Anyway, let's get to that part now. A few years later, Demeter took a vacation on the beach. She was walking along, enjoying the salt, stewed, and fresh sea air. Well, just guess who is the sea god here? Oh, surprise, surprise, it's Poseidon. When Poseidon happened to spot her, being the sea god, he tended to notice pretty ladies walking along the beach. That's kind of a thing. Okay, he appeared out of the waves in his best green robes, with his trident in his hand and crown of seashells on his head. He was sure that the crown made him look irresistible. <coughs> Cough. 
I literally say cough. What's up with me? Hey girl, he said, wiggling his eyebrows. You must be the riptide because you sweep me off my feet. He had been practicing that pickup line for years. He was glad he'd finally use it. Demeter was not impressed. Go away, Poseidon. Sometimes the sea goes away, Poseidon agreed. But it always comes back. What do you say you and me have a little romantic dinner at my undersea palace? Demeter made a mental note not to park her chariot so far away. She really could have used two dragons for backup. She decided to change Palma getaway, but she knew better than turn into a snake this time. I need something faster, she thought. Then she glanced down at the beach and saw a herd of wild horses galloping through the surf. That's perfect, Demeter thought. A horse. Instantly, she became a white mare and raced down the beach. She joined the herd and blended in with the other horses. Her plan had serious flaws. First, Poseidon could turn into a horse, and he did a strong white stallion. He raced after her. Second, Poseidon had created horses. He knew all about them and how to control them. Why would a sea god create a land animal with like a horse? We'll get to that later. Anyway, Poseidon reached the herd and started pushing his way through, looking for Demeter, or rather sniffing for her sweet, distinctive perfume. She was easy to find. Demeter's seemingly perfect camouflage in the herd turned out to be a perfect trap. The other horses made way for Poseidon, but they hemmed in Demeter and wouldn't let her move. She got so panicky, afraid to get trampled, that she couldn't even change shape into something else. Poseidon still up to her and whined something like, Hey beautiful, galloping my way. Much to Demeter's horror, Poseidon got a lot cuddlier than she wanted. These days, Poseidon would be arrested for a kind of behavior, I mean, assuming he wasn't in a horse form. I don't think you can arrest a horse. Anyway, back in those days, the world was rougher, ruder place. Demeter couldn't easily report Poseidon to King Zeus because Zeus was just as bad. Months later, a very embarrassed and angry Demeter gave birth to twins. The weirdest thing, one of the babies was a goddess and the other was a horse. Okay, that's disturbing. I'm not gonna even try to figure that out. The baby girl was named Dispony. But you don't hear much about her in the myths. When she grew up, her job was looking for after Demeter's temple. Like a high priestess of corn magic or something. Her baby brother, the horse, was named Aaron. He grew up to be super fast immortal stead, who helped out Hercules and some other heroes too. He was pretty awesome horse, though I'm not sure that Demeter was real proud of having a son who needed new horseshoes every few months and was constantly nuzzling her for apples. At this point, you'd think Demeter would have stormed off those gross, disgusting men forever and joined his stand to permanently single club. 
strangely she fell in love with a human prince named i don't know how to pronounce that but i think it's eisen you know e y e s o n that's like the pronunciation spelling the actual spelling is i e s i o n so i'm guessing it's pronounced eisen i think just shows you how far humans had come since prometheus gave them fire now they could speak and write they could brush their teeth comb their hairs they wore clothes and occasionally took baths some of them were even handsome enough to flirt with goddesses this dude eisen not jason that's a different guy was the hero of crete he was handsome and well mannered and he always looked out for his local farmers which was sure way to demeter's heart okay <laughs> that was a little dramatic one day eisen was out inspecting some newly plowed fields when demeter happened by in a guise of a mortal maiden they started talking oh i love wheat me too wheat is the best something like that and they fell in love they met in field several more times for a few weeks demeter was head over heels in love of course something had to go wrong the next time demeter visited the fields he happened to be watching from mount olympus he saw demeter getting cozy with the mortal guy hugging and kissing and talking about wheat and zeus got insanely jealous completely unfair right zeus and demeter weren't even together still when zeus saw the mortal hero making time with his girl you can't see but i'm air recording he blew his top the nice thing about getting mad at mortals they are mortal which means you can kill them demeter was giving eisen a big kiss when the sky rumbled and the clouds tore open lightning flash crisp suddenly demeter was alone in the wheat field her clothes smoldering a pile of hero ashes lay at her feet she wailed and screamed curses at zeus but there was nothing she could do she sculled off to her private apartment on mount olympus and stayed there for months when she finally came out she was holding the last child she would ever bear the boy named plutus not pluto that's another different guy you don't hear much about plutus in old myths either but he became a minor god of agricultural wealth he wandered around greece looking for successful farmers and rewarding them for their hard work with bags of cash kind of like the old mcdonald price petrol <laughs> at this point demeter decided enough was enough she still had an occasional date but she never got married and never had another child and her relationship with male gods were always strained her experiences also kind of sard that sweet personality of hers you might not think a green goddess could be scary but dang you should have seen what she did to this one dude eerie sixthen you know i literally had to go and check the pronunciation of his name i cannot even imagine how to how can someone name a child that okay now let's move on i know stupidest name ever i think it's pronounced eris 
dawn or something like that. But heck, I'm just guessing. Anyway, this guy was a local prince who thought he was the coolest thing since bronze. He wanted to build himself a huge mansion with lumber from the nearby forest. The problem? The biggest and the nicest trees, the only ones he thought were good enough for his mansion, were in a groove that was sacred to Demeter. The massive oaks and polars soared over a hundred feet tall, and each one had a natural spirit, a dryad, watching over it. The dryads would dance around singing songs about Demeter, making flower necklaces or whatever dryads do in their spare time. Everybody in the whole country knew the groove was sacred to Demeter, but Eric, whatever his name was, he didn't care. Hear what? I think I'll just call him Eric. So Eric got like 50 of his biggest, strongest friends together. He gave them a sharp bronze axe and they had, they headed off to the group. As soon as the dryad saw them coming, they shrieked in alarm and called on Demeter to protect them. They must have had a goddess on speed dial because she was there in flash. Demeter took form of a human maiden and appeared on the road right in front of Eric and his army of axe-wielding goons. Oh my, such big strong men. Where are you com- where are you going? Out of my way, girl. We have some chopping to do. But why are you attacking these poor defenseless trees? I need the lumber. Eric bellowed. I am going to make the greatest mansion in the world. His friends cheered and waved their axes. You should choose other trees, Demeter said, trying to keep her cool. This grove is sacred to Demeter. Bah! These are the tallest trees in the land. I need tall trees for my great hall. My friends and I intend to feast there every night. You will have such excellent, excellent, oh my god, feast that I will be famous throughout Greece. His friend shouted, yum, and made lip-smacking noises. But this is the home of many Erosindreats, Demeter priested. If the Dreads try to stop me, Eric said, I will cut them down too. Demeter clenched her jaw. And if Demeter tries to stop you, Eric laughed, let her try. I'm not afraid of silly crop goddess. Now stand aside or I'll chop you as well, girl. He shouldered the goddess aside and marched towards the largest tree, a huge white pop, pop, oh my god, poplar. That's such a weird name in this book, man. As he swung his axe, a blast of hot wind knocked him on his butt. The middle grew to massive height, towering above trees like Grainzilla. In her green and black robes, her crown was corn leaves and steaming in her golden hair, his scythe blade casting a shadow across the entire group of mortals. So, the giant Demeter boomed. You're not afraid? Eric's fifty goons dropped their axes and ran screaming like little girls. Eric tried to rise, but his knees were jelly. I, uh, I just, uh... You wanted to be the famous for feasting? Demeter roared. And then you will feast. Eric, every night, 
I mean, she didn't say Eric. She said the original name. I'm calling him Eric. Eric, every night, a great feast as you intended. I am the goddess of the harvest, the mistress of all nourishment. You will eat and eat for the rest of your days, but your hunger will never be satisfied. The mirror disappeared in a flash of emerald light. Poor Eric ran away whimpering. I don't think poor is the right word for him. I mean, he's the one who started it. And swearing to the gods that he would never ever touch the sacred grove. It didn't matter that night. When he had finished his dinner, he was just as hungry as when he started. He ate a second dinner, then a third, but he felt no better. He drank like a gallon of water, but he couldn't quench his thirst. Within a few days, his hunger and thirst became so un- unbearable, he only got relief when he slept. Even then, he dreamed about food, and when he woke up, he was starving again. Eric was a rich man, but within a few weeks, he sold all his possessions just to buy food. He ate constantly, all day, every day. Nothing helped. Eventually, he lost everything he owned. His friends abandoned him. He got so desperate that even when he tried to sell his own daughter into slavery to get money for food. Fortunately, Demeter wasn't as cruel as Zeus. Sorry, Zeus. But, well, she was not as cruel to let that happen. So she let him go, maybe. I'm not sure. The daughter pleaded for someone to rescue her, and Poseidon came to her aid. Maybe he figured he owed Demeter a favor for the horse-cuddling incident. Maybe he didn't just mind helping out a pretty mortal girl. Anyway, he took the girl under his protection and made her a housekeeper in his underwater palace. As for Eric, he washed, actually he wasted away and died in agony. Happy ending. That was a good ending. Anyway, it still hasn't been over yet. Word got around. The mortals decided that maybe they should take Demeter seriously. Anybody who could control food can bless you. Or they can curse you very, very badly. After that, Demeter figured she got her anger out of her system. She decided to relax and enjoy her life. And the thing that brought her most her happiness in the world was her eldest daughter Persephone. Oh sure, she loved her other kids, but Persephone was a favorite. I'm done with drama, Demeter told herself. I'm just going to kick back and enjoy spending time with my wonderful daughter. As you probably guessed, that didn't work out so well. Well, that was it, everyone. That was Demeter turns into a Gwenzilla, the episode name which I like a lot. Okay, anyway, the next chapter, why am I saying chapter? It's not a book, is it? What I meant was the next episode will be about Persephone, the light of Demeter's life. I'll see you next time, bye. Hello everyone, I'm Mahi and I'm back with another episode on Greek mythology, baby. I say it weirdly, I know that. Don't remind me. Anywho... As you remember, last week we covered Demeter, and we learned that Persephone, Demeter's daughter, actually Demeter and Zeus's daughter, that was quite an incident.
yeah persephone she is demeter's light of life whatever whatever you call it man i don't know anyway let's move on with this episode again i'm taking help from percy jackson and the greek gods for researching about all of this information so this podcast is basically for people who don't like reading yeah except for me i love reading anyway let's move on with this episode i say any whole lot So this is episode number 4 Persephone marries her stalker. Or this episode can also be known as Demeter the sequel. I have to be honest, I never understood what made Persephone such a big deal. I mean, for a girl who almost destroyed the universe, she seems kind of meh. Sure, she was pretty. She had her mother's long blonde hair and juicy sky blue eyes. She didn't have a care in the world. She was sure the whole world has been invented just for her pleasure. I guess when your parents are both gods, you can come to believe that. The well, as guests, she's Demeter's daughter, so maybe you all figured it out. She loved outdoors. She spent her days roaming in the countryside with her nymph and goddess friends, wading in streams. picking flowers in sunlit meadows eating fresh fruits right off the tree heck i was just making this up but i'm guessing that's what teenage goddesses used to do back then because smartphones weren't invented yet the thing is persephone didn't have much else going on for her she wasn't all that bright she wasn't brave she didn't really have any goals or hobbies other than the flower picking thing she was just kind of there enjoying her life and being a spoiled overprivileged kid i guess it's nice work if you can get it but i didn't grow up that way so i don't have much sympathy for her still demeter lived for her daughter and i can't blame her for being overprotective demeter had had enough bad experiences with those sneaky male gods after all Persephone had come into the world because of the snake ambush. That incident, nice. The kid was lucky she wasn't hatched from a kid egg. Of course, since Persephone was declared off limits, all the male gods noticed her and thought she was incredibly hot. They all wanted to marry her, but they knew Demeter would never allow it. Any time one of them got close, Demeter appeared out of nowhere with her dragon-drawn chariot and a wicked golden sword. Most of the gods let it go. They decided find to find some safer goddess to date. But one god couldn't get Persephone out of his mind, namely Hades, lord of the underworld. Perfect match, right? An old gloomy dude who lives in the world's largest cave. filled with souls of death and he falls in love with a pretty girl who likes sunlight and flowers and the great outdoors what could possibly go wrong hades knew it was hopeless persephone was completely out of his league besides demeter wouldn't let any god get close to her daughter no way in tartarus would she let hades date her hades tried to get over her but he was lonely down there in the underworld with no company except the dead 
he kept putting on his helmet of invisibility and sneaking up to the mortal world so he could watch Persephone floric around. In other words, he was the world's first stalker. I don't know if you've ever had a crush on somebody that bad, but Hades was obsessed. He kept sketches of Persephone's in pocket. He carved her name on this dining table with a knife, which took a lot of work. He dreamed about her and had an Im- imaginary conversations with her where he admitted his love and she confessed that she had always had a thing for creepy older guys who lived in caves full of dead people. Hades got distracted. He couldn't even concentrate on his work. His job was to sort out the souls of the dead once they got into the underworld. But the ghost started escaping back into the world or wandering into wrong spiritual neighborhoods. The traffic jams at the gates of underworld got ridiculous. Finally, Hades couldn't stand it anymore. To his credit, he didn't try to trick Persephone or take her by force. At least, not at first. He thought, well, Demeter will never listen to me. Maybe I should talk to Persephone's dad. It wasn't easy for Hades to visit Mount Olympus. He knew he wasn't welcome there. He certainly didn't want to ask any favors of his annoying little brother Zeus. But he had put on a brave face and marched into the Olympian throne. He happened to catch Zeus in a good mood. The Lord of Sky had finished all his godly work for the week, scheduling the clouds, organizing, oh my god, the winds, and doing whatever else the sky god has to do. Now he was sitting back, drinking some nectar and enjoying the gorgeous day. He was daydreaming about another lady he he was intent to marry, namely Hera. So when Hades came to see him, Zeus had a faraway smile on his face. Lord Zeus, Hades bowed. Hades, Zeus cried, what's up man, long time no see. Hades was tempted to remind Zeus that it was long time no see because Zeus had told him he wasn't welcome to Mount Olympus, but he decided he better not mention that. Uh, Actually, Zeus tugged nervously at his black ropes. I need some advice about a woman. Zeus grinned. You've come to the right place. The ladies love me. Okay. Zeus started to wonder if this was such a good idea. It's one particular lady, your daughter, Persephone. Zeus' smile washed off his face. Say what now? Hades had been holding his feelings for so long that he just broke down. He confessed everything, even the, uh, you know, stalking stuff he did. He promised he would make Persephone an excellent husband. He would be devoted and give her everything she wanted. If only Zeus would give him permission to marry her. Zeus stroked his beard. Most days he would have uh, got angry at this ridiculous request. He would have brought out of his lightning bolt and sent Hades back to the underworld, with his robes on fire and his hair all spiky and smoking. But today Zeus was in a good mood. He was actually sort of touched that Hades had come to him in, with this problem and had been honest. He felt sorry for his creepy stalker brother and he decided and 
he definitely understood how a guy could get obsessed with a woman. Sure, Persephone was his daughter, but Zeus had a lot of daughters by a lot of different ladies. It wasn't like Persephone was his special favorite or anything. He had inclined to be generous and give her away. He drummed his fingers on the arms of his throne. The problem is Demeter. Uh, that is Demeter's daughter, right? I forgot. Yes, my lord, Hades said. Her favorite daughter, Zeus remembered. The light of her life, whom she never lets out of her sight, etc. Yes, my lord, Hades started to feel uncomfortable. Should I talk to Demeter? Perhaps if you broke the ice and made her promise to listen? Or maybe I could declare my love to Persephone? What? Zeus looked appalled. Be honest with a woman? That never works, bro. You've got to be strong. Take what you want. Uh, really? Always works for me. I suggest kidnapping. But nobody's looking. Capture Persephone and take her back to your crib. Demeter would know what happened. By the time she'll figure out, too late. Persephone will be yours. You'll have plenty of time to convince the young lady to stay with you in the underworld. Hades was starting to have doubt about Zeus's wisdom. Uh, you sure it's a good idea? Totally, Zeus said. Hades chewed his lips. The whole kidnapping thing seemed a little risky. He wasn't sure Persephone would actually like being abducted. But he didn't know much about women. Maybe Zeus was right. For the record, no he wasn't. There's one problem, my lord. Persephone is never alone. She's either with Demeter or with some nymph or goddess friends. How can I abduct her in secret? Even if I can use my invisibility hand, uh, helmet, I can't turn her invisible to stop her from screaming. Zeus's eyes twinkle mischievously. Leave that to me. Go get your chair ready. Zeus waited until Demeter was busy doing her agricultural stuff on the far side of the world. Like ripening the barley in Libya or something. I don't know. I'm not sure of that. Anyway, Persephone was left in the care of her nymph friends. Usually that worked out fine. But the nymphs weren't really cut out to be bodyguards. They could be easily distracted, and so could Persephone. As usual, the girls went out in the meadows. They spent the morning exploring the hills and having splash fights in the river, having a nice lazy lunch, letting their dresses dry in sunlight. Persephone decided to go pick some flowers. Don't wander too far, one of the nymphs called. I won't, Persephone promised. She wasn't worried. The world was her playground. Everyone loved her. Besides, what could possibly go wrong while she was picking flowers? The nymphs were sleepy and warm and full from lunch. So they lay down for a nap. Persephone roamed the hillside until she gathered an entire bouquet from the nearest rose bushes. For some reasons, the roses didn't have thorns. There smell made Persephone giddy. She she went a little further away and spotted a whole field of violets. Ooh, pretty! 
She wandered through the violets, picking the best ones and dropping the rose, because they now seemed pale in comparison. Well, you can probably see where this was going. But Persephone was clueless. She didn't realize Zeus was causing those flowers to grow, making them batch more colorful and fragrant than the last, leading Persephone further and further away from her friends. So how could Zeus, the sky god, make flowers grow? Don't know. Best guess? He still had some pull with Gaia, the earth mother, even though she was asleep. I'm thinking Zeus could occasionally summon her power to make things happen on the earth. Maybe not huge things like creating mountains when making flowers grow. No biggie. Persephone wandered from flower patch to flower patch, murmuring, Ooh, pretty! Ooh, pretty! As she picked her favorites, before she realized it, she was miles away from her sleeping nymph friends. She mendered into the scaluded valley filled with sunflowers, I can't pronounce them. She was reaching down to pick a beautiful red one when the ground rumbled. A champs opened at her feet. Four black horses pulling a massive chariot thundered into the sunlight. The river was dressed in dark why the heck am I saying river? The driver was dressed in dark, flowing robe. He wore iron gloves with a huge sword at his side and a whip in his hand. His face was covered with an elaborate bronze helmet engraved with images of death and torture. In retrospect, Hades wondered if it was such a good idea to wear the helmet of terror at the first date. But by then it was too late. Persephone screamed and fell backwards in the grass. She should have run, but she was in shock. She couldn't even fandom what was happening. Everything had always revolved around her, gone her way. She couldn't be in danger, but she was pretty sure she, was, she hadn't wished for a demonic-looking guy in black chariot to come and trample her flowers, you know the flowers I can't pronounce. Truth be told, she occasionally had daydreams about some handsome young man sweeping her off her feet. She and her nymph friends had spent a lot of time giggling about it. But this was not what she wished for. He just took off his helm. His complexion was even paler than usual. He had a bad case of helmet hair. He was sweating and nervous and blinking like he had something in his eyes. I'm Hades, he said in a squeaky voice. I love you. Persephone screamed again, much louder, not knowing what else to do. Hades grabbed her arm, pulled her into the chariot, and spurred her his horses. His dark ride disappeared into the earth. The jams closed and behind him. The only person who actually saw the kidnapping was the Titan Helios, way up in his chick magnet century. Because he had a great view and could see pretty much everything, but do you think he got on the phone on Olympus to report the kidnapping? Nope. First, he didn't have phones. Second, Helios didn't like to get involved in godly dramas. He was a titan after all. He figured he was lucky to have a job and not get thrown into Tartarus. 
also the kidnapping wasn't the craziest thing he had seen crossing the sky every day those guys were always doing wild stuff man the stories he could tell someday he should write a book so he lives continued on his way as for the nymphs who were supposed to be watching persephone they slept right through the abduction the only person who heard persephone screaming was most like the person you can imagine in a cave on nearby mount side a titan named hecate was minding her own business hecate was into magic and spooky nighttime crossroads and ghosts she was sort of a first super fan of halloween normally she only left her cave after dark so that she was sitting inside reading spell books or whatever when she heard a girl screaming hecate may have been a dark goddess of magic but she wasn't evil she immediately ran to help by the time she got to the meadow the action was over hecate's magic was weak in daytime she could tell that the earth had opened and somebody had been snatched up in a chariot and dragged underground but hecate had no idea who was the kidnapper and who was the kidnappy hecate wasn't sure what to do it wasn't like she could just call 911 sure she didn't know the facts she decided to go back to her cave and wait until nightfall when she could cast better spells and hopefully get more information meanwhile the nymphs woke up from their nap and went looking for persephone but she had literally vanished off the face of the earth the nymphs were starting to panic by the time demeter returned and found out that her precious daughter was missing i'm not sure what demeter did to punish those nymphs but it could not have been good anyway demeter was freed she wandered around shouting for persephone until her voice got hoarse she asked everyone she met if they had seen anything for 9 days demeter didn't change her clothes or take a bath she didn't eat or sleep she did nothing but look for persephone she must have started searching in the wrong direction because on the 10th day she finally circled back around and combed the area near hecate's cave hecate heard demeter calling for persephone Immediately the magic goddess had put two and two together. Every night Hecate had been trying to figure out what the abduction was all about, but her spells weren't telling her anything. Some strong magic was at work, covering up the kidnapping. Hecate had a feeling a powerful god was behind it, or maybe more than one. Hecate ran down t- to meet the mirror. She told the green goddess about the screaming she had heard. and her belief that an unknown god had kidnapped persephone the distraught mother didn't take the news well she shrieked so loudly that all the plants within the 5 miles radius withered and died for hundreds of miles in each direction every ear of corn on greek mainland exploded into popcorn I will find whoever has taken her Demeter wailed I will murder him then I'll murder him again At this point most folks would have backed away from the crazy lady but Hecate fell bad for her I'll help you search tonight she told Demeter I've got torches and really good at seeing in the dark They searched from dusk till until dawn and had no luck 
Hecate went back to her cave to rest, promising to help her after nightfall. But Demeter couldn't stop. She stumbled on alone until evening fell, and she came to a kingdom called Eleusis. At this point, even the immortal goddess was getting exhausted. She decided to visit the town, maybe rest her feet for a few minutes, and mingle with the locals. Perhaps they had seen something and heard some news. Demeter disguised herself as an old mortal woman. She made her way to the town's central heart, because that's where strangers normally went when they wanted to ask the locals for assistance. A crowd had gathered in the square. A lady with fine robes and golden crown was making some kind of speech. Being an intelligent goddess, Demeter thought she must be the queen. It turned out to be Queen Metariana, who was offering a prayer to Demeter. Even in Demeter's desperate state of mind, that must have been sort of a rush, hearing somebody praying to her when they didn't know that she was in the crowd. If it were me, I'd wait until the queen said, Oh, great Demeter. Then I'd jump out of the bush and explosion and firework and say, You called? Probably a good thing nobody had made me a god. At any rate, Demeter figured out this was a good omen. She waited for the queen to finish blessing her new baby, who was very cute. As the crowd broke up, Demeter made her way towards the queen, but Metinara noticed her first. Old woman, called the queen. Demeter blinked. She looked around wondering who Metinara was talking about. Then she remembered she was in disguise. Oh, right, yes, my queen, Demeter said in her best old lady voice. The queen studied Demeter's face and her ragged clothes. Even in disguise, Demeter must have looked weary. After ten days, she didn't smell nearly as jasmine sweet as usual. I do not know you, the queen decided. Her family and retainers gathered around. Demeter wondered if she was going to have to turn into a hundred-foot-tall grain monster and scare them away. But the queen only smiled. Welcome to our town, maybe? That's what you care call. We always greet strangers. Because you never know when one of them might be a god in disguise, eh? The queen gods chuckled. They were thinking, yeah, right, the old lady a goddess. Demeter bowed. Very wise, my queen. Very wise indeed. Do you need a place to stay? The queen asked. Do you require food? How may we help you? Wow, Demeter thought. She's serious. After days of anxiety running, you know, around Greece looking for a daughter, Demeter was dumbstruck to receive such kindness. These funny mortals didn't know her from any ordinary beggar. Yet the queen herself took time to be nice to her, nicer in fact than most of Demeter's fellow gods would have been. Demeter felt so tired and emotionally spent that she was burst into tears. My daughter, she sobbed, my daughter has been stolen from me. The queen gasped. What? This is an outrage. A young, handsome man stepped forward and took Demeter's hand. Old woman, what happened to my voice? I'm, I'm Triptolemus, 
the firstborn son of queen. I pledge that I will help you find your daughter however I can. Queen Matinarva nodded in agreement. But come, dear guest, you are clearly exhausted. It wouldn't help your daughter if you will kill yourself in weariness and hunger while trying to find her. Please stay in my palace tonight. Tell us your story. Rest and eat. In the morning, we will decide how best to help you. Demeter wanted to decline. She wanted to keep going since she was immortal. She obviously wasn't in danger of dying. But she was tired. These people were nice and after 10 days on road, her filthy clothes were starting to sprout types of mold and fungus. Even the plant goddess didn't recognize. She thanked the queen and accepted her hospitality. After taking a nice hot bath and putting on some new clothes, Demeter felt much better. She joined the royal family for dinner and took them out and told them of their of, of her troubles. Though she was left out some minor details, such as she was a goddess or something, I don't know. She explained that her daughter had disappeared while on a day trip in NATO with her friends. A woman who lived nearby had heard screaming. So it was clear her daughter had been kidnapped, but Demeter had no idea who had taken her and where she might be. The royal family brainstormed some helpful suggestions, offering a reward, putting Persephone's face on milk cartons, stapling missing posters around the town, even Triptolemus, oh my god, what a confusing name, had the winning idea. I will send riders in all four directions. When we will gather news and spread word of this abduction, stay with us for the rest of few days, honored guest. I know you're anxious, but this is the quickest way to search the country. When my riders return, we will know more. Again, Demeter wanted to protest. She was worried sick about her daughter, but she couldn't think of a better idea. And she was grateful for this family's hospitality. Also, she could use a few days rest. Since her initial panic after the abduction, Demeter's mood had started to shift to cold determination. In her heart, she knew Persephone was still out there, captured but unharmed. Her motherly instincts told her so. No matter how long it took, Demeter would find her. And when she got her hands on that kidnapper, oh, her vegans would be terrible. She would cover him in fertilizer, cause barley to sprout from all his pores, and laugh at his terrified screams as he transferred into the world's largest chia pet. <laughs> Demeter smiled at Prince Triptolemus. Thank you for your kindness. I accept your offer. Excellent. You said the newborn child. Demophone, gurgling continually in Queen's arms. Demeter gazed at the baby boy, her heart filled with warmth and nostalgia. It seemed like just last century Persephone had been that small. Let me repay your kindness, Demeter told the queen. I'm an excellent nursemaid. And I know what it's like to like being a new mom. 
You could use some sleep. Let me take care of your baby tonight. I promise to keep him safe. I'll bless him with special charms against evil so he'll grow up to be strong, handsome hero. I've never been a mom, but I think I'd be pretty suspicious if some old lady off the street offered to watch my baby for the night. As you can probably tell though, Queen Metinara was a kind-hearted, trusting person. She felt terrible for this old woman who had just lost her daughter. Also, it was true that Metinara hadn't been sleeping much since the baby came along. I would be honored, the queen said, handing Demophone to Demeter. That night, the goddess dropped the baby by the fire. She sang the nursery songs from Mount Olympus like Etsy Bitsy Satyr and I'm a Little Cyclops. She, met, she fed Demophon nectar, the drink of gods, mixed with regular milk. She whispered powerful blessings to keep him safe. I will make you a mortal little one, Demeter thought. It's the least I can do for your kind mother. I will make you so strong no one will ever abduct you the way my poor daughter was abducted. When the child dozed off, Demeter placed him in blazing fire. You're probably thinking, oh, she roasted the little dude? No, it's cool. The kid was fine. Demeter's magic protected him, so the flames could only feel warm and pleasant. As Demiphone slept, the fire began burning away his mortal essence, starting to process that would turn him into a god. In the morning... Queen Machinara couldn't believe how much her baby had grown. He had put up on several pounds overnight, his eyes were brighter, and his grip was stronger. What did you feed him? The queen asked in am- amazement. Demiro chuckled. Oh, nothing special. But I did promise to look after him. He's going to be a fine young man. At, at breakfast, Triptolemus announced that his riders had already left. He expected news in next day or two. Demira was anxious. She was half tempted to keep traveling on her own, but she agreed to wait for the riders to return. That night, Demira again took charge of the baby, Demophone. I am not sure it's pronunciation, but I am pronouncing it that. She fed him some more ambrosia and laid him down in the sleep to fight. In the morning, she was pleased to see that he was immortalizing nicely. One more night out of do it, she decided. When she gave the child back to Queen at breakfast, Metinara wasn't thrilled. Her baby suddenly looked like a four-month-old rather than a newborn. She wondered what kind of magic Demira was using and whether it has passed safely test for the babies. Maybe the old lady was slipping some kind of growth hormone into Demiphone's milk. In a few more days, the kid might have had six packs and hairy armpits. Still, the queen was too polite to yell at her guest and throw accusations with no proof. She kept her doubts for herself. Secretly, she hoped the riders would come back today and the old lady would be on her way. Unfortunately, the riders didn't return. I'm sure they'll be back in the morning, Triptolium Miss promised. They sh- and then we should have more information. Demeter agreed to stay one more night.
dinner was finished she took the baby from queen without even asking just assuming it was okay metinara's heart hammered in her ribcage she watched demeter carry demophon back to her guest room and the queen trying to convince herself everything was fine the old lady was harmless she would not turn her new one son into a void raging monster overnight but the queen couldn't sleep she worried that she was going to miss her baby's entire childhood she would wake up in the morning to see his big bulky 3 year old with facial hair running towards her shouting in deep voice hey mom what's up finally metinira couldn't stand it anymore she crept down the hall to demira's room to check on the baby the bedroom door was open just a crack firelight glowed at still metinara heard the old lady sing a lullaby inside but the baby wasn't making a sound hopefully that was good he was sleeping peacefully but what if he was in danger without knocking she opened the door and screamed at top of her lungs the old lady was sitting calmly in rocking chair watching demophone burn in the fire metinara charged to the fireplace she snatched the baby out of the flames heedless of how much it burned her hands and arms the baby wailing unhappy about waking up from a nice warm nap metinara wailed to the meal ready to chew her face off but the old lady yelled at her first what are you thinking demira shouted rising from her chair with her fist clenched why did you do that you ruined everything metinara was stunned speechless meanwhile prince tryptonemus and several guards stumbled in the room to investigate the screaming what's wrong tryptonemus demanded Arrest this woman, Metinara shrieked, clutching her baby in, in her blistered arm. She tried to kill Demophon. He was burning in the fireplace. The guards, were, guards surged forward, but Triptolemus yelled, Wait! The guards hesitated. Triptolemus frowned at his mother, then at the old lady. He was smart enough to realize something wasn't right here. The baby was crying but otherwise he seemed fine. He didn't look burned. The blanket wasn't even signed. The old woman looked more ex, you know, guilty and scared. What is the meaning of this? He asked their guest. The meaning, growled Demeter, is that your mother just ruined things for the baby. The old woman began to glow. her disguise burned away and she stood before as a golden-haired goddess her robe shimmering with green light and her scythe sword glittering at her side the gods dropped their weapons and retreated maybe they heard the story of eric the queen gasped as a vicious woman she knew how to spot her gods demeter Yes, said the goddess. I was trying to do you a favor, you silly woman. A few more hours in the fire and your baby would have been immortal. He would have grown into a fine young god and brought you eternal honor. Now you have ruined the magic. He is simply a human, a great hero, yes. Strong and tall, but doomed 
to the mortal life. He will only be demophone, but when he could have been fully known, known the great, whatever, Madonna gulped. She wasn't sure if she should apologize or thank the goddess or what. She was just so relieved to have her baby back safely, unburned and without hairy bits, that she didn't really care whether he was immortal. The great hero sounded good enough for her. Still, she didn't think she should say that to the goddess. I, I should have trusted you, Mitchinara murmured. Please, great Demeter, punish me for my lack of faith, but do not harm my family. Demeter waved her comment aside. Don't be silly. I won't punish you. I'm just annoyed. You've been helpful in my search and... Oh! Triptolemus raised his hand like he had a burning question. Yes? Demeter asked. That reminds me. One of my riders had returned with the news. About my daughter? Demeter completely forgot her annoyance and grabbed Princess's shoulder. Have, have you found her? Chiptolemus was used to being shaken by an immortal goddess, but he tried to keep his cool. Uh, not exactly, my lady. However, the writer says he met someone who met someone. Oh, that doesn't matter. Who met a guy in the Traven far to the east. The guy claimed he was a titan of the sun, Helios. He was trying to impress the woman with his stories, apparently. Demeter narrowed his eyes. Flirting with a random woman in a raven? That sounds like Helios. Well, it sounds like most of the gods, actually. What did he say? Apparently, he was telling a story about your daughter Persephone. He claimed that he saw the abduction and he knew who did it. But uh, he didn't name the culprit. Of course, Demir got so excited that the grass started to sprout off Tritrolemus' shirt. Oh, sorry, but this is excellent news. I should have thought to visit Helios sooner. He sees everything. She kissed Triptolemus uh, on the cheek. Thank you, my dear boy. I will not forget your help. Once I reclaim my daughter, I will reward you handsomely. Triptolemus tried to smile, but he failed. He was worried Demeter is going to make him sleep in a burning fireplace. That's okay, Belly. No, I insist. But now I must fly. Demira turned into a turtle dove, which was one of her sacred birds, and flew out of the window, leaving behind the very confused royal family. Helios knew he was trouble as soon as he saw Demira burst into his throne room. The sun titan always liked to relax in the last hours of the night before he had to saddle his fiery horses and get back to work. He was kicking back, thinking about all the crazy stuff he had seen during his ride the day before. He really should write a book. Then, suddenly, the bronze doors of his audience chamber flew open, and Demeter rode her dragon-drawn chariot right up to the steps of his throne. The dragons snarled and bared their fangs, drooling all over Helios' golden shoes. Uh, hi? He asked nervously. Where is my daughter? Demeter's voice was calm and deadly serious. Helios winced. He didn't want to get involved in godly disagreements. They didn't pay him enough for that. 
but he decided that right now was not the time for the will hold information. Hades took her, he said. He told her everything he had seen. Demeter held back a scream. She didn't want to cause popcorn epidemic, but Hades? Of all the disgusting, horrible main gods who might have taken her precious daughter, Hades was most disgusting and horrible of all. And why didn't you tell me this sooner? Her voice was as sharp as a scythe. Well, um, never mind, she snapped. I'll deal with you later. When Zeus hears about Hades has dishonored her daughter, he'll be furious. She rode out of San Palace and made straight for Mount Olympus. As you can guess, her conversation with Zeus didn't go quite as well, she planned. She marched into the throne room and yelled, Zeus, you wouldn't believe what happened. She told him the whole story and demanded he should do something. Strangely, Zeus did not seem furious. He wouldn't make Demeter's eyes. He kept picking at the end of his lightning cord. Sweat trickled off his side of face. Cold feeling came over Demeter. Kind of anger that was much deeper than anything she had felt. Zeus, what did you do? Well, Zeus shrugged shapelessly. Hades might have mentioned that he wanted to marry Persephone. Demeter's fingernails dug into her palms until her arms were dripping gold ink. And it's and it's a good match. Hades is powerful. He's handsome and he's powerful. I want my daughter back. Now Zeus turned on his throne. Look, babe, do not call me babe. I can't go back on my word, it's done. She's down in the underworld, they're married, end of story. No, not the end of story. Until I have my daughter back, nothing will grow on the earth. Crops will die, people will starve, every single living creature will share my pain until you do the right thing and return Persephone. Demeter thundered out of the room. Thundering was usually Zeus's job, but she was beyond mad. She went back to that kingdom, and one kingdom where people had helped her, she allowed the crops there to continue growing. But on the west of the earth, everything withered and died, just as she threatened. Zeus told himself, she's just throwing a tantrum, give her a few days, she'll get over it. Weeks passed, months. Even months, humans starved by the thousands, and then humans starved, they couldn't make burnt offerings to the gods. They couldn't build new temples, all they could do was cry in agony, praying to the gods, 24 into 7. Help us, we're starving, which gives you a huge headache. Also, the gods were reduced in eating ambrosia nectar. Which got old quickly. Without grain, they couldn't have any bread or those awesome fresh baked brownies that Hera made sometimes. Finally, Zeus relented. He summoned his main messenger, the god named Hermes, and said, Hey Hermes, go down to the underworld, tell Hades he's got to send Persephone back right away, or we'll never have any peace. 
or brownies. On it, boss. Hermes zoomed down to the underworld. Meanwhile, Persephone had been in the palace of Hades this whole time. She was learning the hard way that the world did not revolve around her. No matter how many times she stamped her feet, held her breath, or screamed for her mother, she couldn't get what she wanted. She threw some epic tantrums. She tore up her bed, which made it hard to sleep. She kicked the walls, which hurt her foot. And then Hades' ghostly servants brought her meals. She smashed the plates and refused to eat anything, even though she was starving. The not eating thing was important. See, in Greek times, eating food in another person's house was like signing a contract. It meant you accepted your place as their guest. They had to treat you properly, but you also had to behave properly. Basically, it meant you and your host were on friendly terms. Persephone didn't want to sign that contract, not at all. Our first few days, she refused to leave her room. Hades didn't force her, though he tried to talk her out of it. Look, he said, your dad agreed to the marriage. I'm sorry about the whole kidnapping thing, which, by the way, was his idea. But honestly, I love you. You're amazing and beautiful, and I promise, get out. She threw whatever she could grab, which happened to be a pillow. The pillow bounced off Hades' chest. Hades looked sad and left her alone. Around the fourth day, Persephone got bored and left her room. No one stopped her. She quickly realized why. Outside the king's palace, there was no place to go. She was stuck in the underworld with nothing in any direction except gray, gloomy plains filled with dead people and no sky above except darkness. Even if she ran away from the palace, she didn't want to walk through those fields full of dead souls. She had no idea how to get back to the upper world. The most infuriating thing was Zeus refused to get mad at her. No matter how many plates she smashed or sheets she tore or how many horrible names she called him, though honestly she didn't know many insults, she lived a happy, shattered life. And calling Hades stupid head didn't quite seem forceful enough. Hades took her abuse and told her he was sorry that he, that she was angry. I do love you, he promised. You are the brightest thing in the entire underworld. With you here, I will never miss the sunlight again. You're warmer than the sun by far. You're stupid head, she screamed. After he left, she realized what he had said was sort of sweet but only in a creepy, pathetic way, of course. Days passed. Persephone wandered through the palace. The more amazed she became. The mansion was huge. Hades had entire rooms made of gold and silver. Every day his servants send out new bouquets of flowers made from precious jewels. A dozen ruby roses on diamond stems, Platinum and golden sunflowers with emerald studded leaves. Even in Mount Olympus, Persephone had never seen such dazzling wealth. She started to realize that as creepy and horrible as Hades was, he had tenderest power. He had controlled he had he controlled thousands of souls. He commanded horrifying monster and creatures of the darkness. 
he had access to all the wealth and the earth making him the richest god in the world no matter what persephone destroyed he could instantly replace it with something even better still she hated the place of course she did she missed the sun and the meadows and fresh flowers the underworld was so clammy she could not even get warm the constant gloom gave her serious cases of seasonal affective disorder then one day she stumbled across hades's throne room he was sitting at far end on throne sculpted from thousand bones talking to shimmery ghost persephone guessed it was soul newly arrived from the mortal world as it seemed to be giving hades the latest news thank you hades told the spirit but i will never give in i don't care how many mortals die persephone marched up to the ds what are you talking about you horrible person who are you kidding now hades was stunned he waved at the ghost and he, it disappeared i i don't want to tell you hades said it would bring you pain which only made her want to know more what's going on hades took a deep breath your mother is angry she knows that i took you for my wife ha persephone's heart soared oh you're in so much trouble she's on her way down here right now with an army of angry nymphs and green spirits is she no hades said persephone playing no she will not cross into the underworld she hates it here she hates me of course she does persephone said though she was a little disappointed she had been counting on her mom to rescue her surely the major would come in her personally whether or not she hated the underworld but i'm confused what are you saying about morphs dying Hades said, "Your mother is trying to force Zeus into getting you back. Demeter is starving the entire world, letting thousands of people die until you are returned to her." Persephone almost fell over. Her mother was doing what? Demeter had always been so gentle and kind. Persephone couldn't imagine her mom letting corn plants die, much less thousands of people. But something told her that Hades wasn't lying. Persephone's eyes stung. She wasn't sure if she was sad or angry or just sick to her stomach. Thousands of mortals were dying because of her. You must return me immediately. Hades clenched her saw. First time, he didn't look more pure weak. He met her gaze. His eyes flared with purple fire. You are my very existence now. You are more precious to me than all the jewels under the earth. I'm sorry you do not love me but I will be good husband to you. I will do everything I can to make you happy. I will not return you. If I must, I will counter Demeter's attack. I will open the gates of the underworld and let the dead flood back into the world rather than release you. Persephone didn't know what to do with the rad information. Her heart felt like it was compressing into a tiny jewel as bright and hard as a diamond. She turned and fled. She ran down the corridor she had never explored before, opened the door and stepped into a garden. She couldn't breathe. It was the most incredible place she had ever seen. Ghostly worms like floated overhead. Perhaps the souls of particularly sunny people dead. 
She wasn't sure, but the garden was warmer and brighter than anywhere else in the underworld. Beautiful flowers glowed in the dark. Orchards of carefully pruned trees bore sweet-smelling blooms and neon bright fruit. The paths were sculpted with rubies and topes. White fringe trees soared into the air with frozen ghosts. A brook winded through the middle of the garden. On a nearby table sat a silver tray with frosted decanter of nectar, along with Persephone's favorite cookies and fresh fruit. She couldn't understand what she was seeing. All the flowers and trees she loved best from the upper world were here somehow what she couldn't form a sentence how do you like it Hades spoke up behind her he followed her outside and for once his voice didn't make her cringe she turned and saw a tiny smile on his face he looked so horrible when he smiled you you did this for me he shrugged i'm sorry it wasn't ready sooner i get i gathered the best gardeners in the underworld a tiny man then appeared from the bushes. He had gardening shears in his hand. He was obviously one of the dead, judging from his papery skin and the yellowish tinge in his eyes. But he managed to smile. He somehow looked more alert than other zombie Persephone had met. Just pruning the roses, my lord, said the gardener. My lady, a pleasure to meet you. Persephone knew she should say something like hello, but she was too stunned. Just then, winged Garagoli flew into a garden. It whispered something in Hades' ear. The god's face grew stern. A visitor, excuse me, my dear. When he was gone, the gardener gestured to the potato table. My lady, would you like to something to eat? No, Persephone said automatically. Despite everything she knew, she shouldn't expect, accept the hospitality of God. I kidnapped her. Suit yourself, said the gardener. I just picked this ripe pomegranate, though. They're amazing. He pulled one from overalls and set it on the table. Then cut the fruit into three parts with his knife. Hundreds of juicy purple red seeds glistened inside. Now, personally, it, I'm not a big fan of pomegranates, but Persephone loved them. They reminded her of her happiest moments above ground, flockering in the meadows with her nymph friend. She looked at the delicious fruit and her stomach howled in protest. It hadn't been, she hadn't eaten anything. She was immortal and she couldn't die, but she felt hungry. A little bit won't hurt. She ate the fruit. She probably would have eaten more if Hades hadn't returned with his visitor, the god Hermes. My love, Hades said. His voice sounded like he had been weeping. Persephone shot on her feet. Mm-hmm. She stumbled, working a few half-chewed seeds around her mouth. This is Hermes. Hades' face broken with despair. He, he came back to take you. He swallowed. Persephone also swallowed, but you said Zeus commands it. Hades sounded so sad that Persephone forgot this is good news. 
I am forced to give you up," he said. Persephone should have been shouting with joy. This was what she wanted, but why did she feel bad about it? She didn't know. Hades made a garden for her. He treated her well. Everything a girl wants. Well, Hermes didn't seem bothered by any of that. Well, excellent. He grinned at Persephone, ready to go. Just some regulation question I have to ask you. Ah, uh, you know custom stuff for crossing the border. Have you come into contact with any live live animals? No, Persephone said. Visit any farms? Are you carrying more than ten thousand drachmas from foreign currency? Ah, uh, no. Last question, Hermes said. Have you eaten any food in the underworld? He held out his hand in apology. I know it's a stupid question. I mean, obviously you're smarter than that. If you ate any food in the underworld, you have to stay here forever. Well, Persephone cleared her throat. Um, I I don't know if she would have lied or not, but Persephone blushed. She held out her hands, one third of a pomegranate. That's all. Whoops, Hermes said. She can stay. Hades danced in circles. I'm sorry, my dear. It makes you sad, but I can't pretend to be delighted. This is wonderful news. Persephone's emotions were jumbled as she started. I don't know how she felt. Hermes scratched his head. She flew. He flew back to Mount Olympus to give other gods the news. When Demeter heard the problem, she flew into rage. Somehow she managed to send a powerful curse straight to the ground, um, into the under underworld garden near Hades' mansion. Demeter threatened that to let the world keep starving unless she got her daughter back. So you send the news. You know, Hades sent a new message via Hermes, warning that the dead would rise in a zombie apocalypse unless Persephone stayed with him. Zeus was getting a headache. Then Hestia came up with a solution: let Persephone divide her time. She said she ate one third of a pomegranate. Let her spend one third of a year with Hades, two thirds with Demeter. And all the gods agreed. According to old stories, that's why there are. Three distinct seasons in Greece. As for Persephone, the whole experience kind of forced her to grow up. She fell in love with Hades and made the place for herself in underworld. Though she still enjoyed the times with her mom and old friends, the Titan Hecate, who had helped Demeter search, went to the underworld and became one of Persephone's attendants. The underworld was much darker and better place to work magic with the drought cave. Demeter even remembered her promise to Triptolemus, the prince of the, you know, place I still can't pronounce. She gave him his own serpent wheel chariot, and made him the god of farming. She told him to travel the world and teach people about agriculture. It doesn't sound very flashy job, but I guess Triptolemus liked it better than being thrown in a bed of fire. After all, Demeter really did settle down. She didn't throw any more tantrums, which is good. Because once her sister Hera got started, Hera's temper would have made Demeter's anger look tame. Well, guys, that was it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Sorry for being it on one-hour episode. It's a very long story. Well, see you next time. Bye. Next time we're gonna talk about Hera. Wow, Hera, she's something. <laughs>